0: Have you ever set a goal to lose weight around the new year and thought, all right, this is the year. I'm going to lose 25 pounds. I am going to make it happen. And then life happens instead. And then next year, you're like, okay, this is the year. I'm going to commit. I'm going to get a Bowflex. I'm going to work out six days a week. And then by January 17th, you're hanging dirty laundry on the Bowflex and you think, oh, this happens every time. What the hell is wrong with me? The answer is, we change at the speed of safety. Wait, what did she say? We change at the speed of safety, which means that if we change too many things all at once, your brain does not feel safe, and change will not take place. You've got to implement change in the right way. So How about this year, we do it differently? What if you could work smarter, not harder this time? What do you say? Today, we're talking about goal setting in a way that sets you up for success, is strategically designed to help you maintain momentum, helps you feel good about your progress along the way, and actually genuinely helps you make progress towards that outcome you're looking for. So, you ready to get real about resolutions this year? Oh yeah, let's get to it. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. Happy roughly middle of January, depending on when you might be listening to this. If this is much later, then happy whatever time it is for you. But at the time I'm recording this, it's somewhere around the middle of January and this tends to be the time of year that people fall off their New Year's resolutions which is actually kind of ironic to me because just a quick story about how my new year began is each year I I print out a grid of the year and there's like little boxes where I can color in the day, whether like kind of yes or no, did I complete the uh, action for the goal that I'm working on? So I have two in particular, actually three, but um, one's for meditation, Uh, one is for allowing urges, particularly related to allowing urges for alcohol, for wine. And the other is doing things like this, like making a podcast or, you know, working on my next book, things like that. Um, And I'll be honest, like the first six days of January this year, I had a big old goose egg. (laughs) I was like, there was part of my brain that was like, well, the whole year is shot. You know what? These goals are stupid anyway. I I don't think I need to do this this year. I'm just, I'm just going to let it, let it ride. It's going to be fine. And of course, you know, by January 6th or 7th, I was like, no we know this works. Let's get back to it. The whole year is not shot just because you didn't, you know, do everything you wanted to in week one of the year. There are 51 weeks left in the year. But yeah, there was part of my brain that wanted to be like, well, we just might as well flush the whole year. It's just, it's just trash. It's so funny how we do that. Uh, But actually, typically, we do the opposite with our goals. We tend to be like, okay, Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna walk for 30 minutes every day. um, And I'm going to make sure I get up by 5am. And I'm going to meditate. And I'm going to journal. And then I'm going to go to the grocery store and do food prep every Sunday. And we're going to have nice, healthy, wholesome meals. It's gonna be amazing. And then by the second week of January, it all falls flat. Because we went out really hard. And we're trying to do all kinds of things all at once. And it's just a lot. It's it's too much. Our brains can't handle that much change all at once. So, what do you say we do something a little different this year? You with me? First of all, before we get into how to make goals in a better way and a more effective way, let's first talk about why it is so common that we make goals like this that, you know, set us up for failure because we go out hard and then we fall off a cliff. So, it's not your fault you are not broken. Here's why this happens. Number one, society glorifies the big, hairy, audacious, scary goal, like go after your dreams and like, you know, set that giant goal. And, you know, it sounds kind of sexy and and really like, oh, yeah, I need to what's my BHAG, which is really a strange acronym. But, you know, That is um, very common in our vernacular these days, very common to, uh, like, if you don't have a big goal that you're going for, then like, what's wrong with you? So it's kind of built into the air we breathe, for lack of a better word, that these ideas are sort of all around us all the time. Then, speaking of ideas all around us all the time, there is so much uh, media and, you know, social media and societal pressure around New Year's, like New Year, New You, and all these themes of like, 2024 is going to be the year of clean eating, or 2024 is going to be the year of manifesting your dreams. You know, so there's, we, we get these inputs all around us all the time. and And if that wasn't enough, Um, There's also other ideas of like, maybe you have like a milestone birthday coming up this year, maybe you're turning 50 or 65 or something, you know, a a birthday that ends in a zero or a five, you're like, whoo! I, you know, by the time I turn fill in the blank number, I want to have lost 25 pounds. By the time I get to age, I want to have completed a marathon, or whatever it is, you know, I want to have finally made that change. You know, what am I doing? I've used up these 48 years already of just like farting around. And now by the time I turn 50, I got I to get my act together. <laughs> and so we have these inputs all the time. And it sets us up to think like this is the way to make change. However, that means we go about it the wrong way. Let me be really clear about what I mean by that. That kind of goal big, hairy, scary, audacious goal, or the like, by the time I turn 50, I will have lost the 25 pounds, whatever. Those kinds of goals are focusing on the outcome. They're focusing on the result. And I would actually dare to say, those aren't goals at all. Those are outcomes. Losing 25 pounds is an outcome. Running a marathon is an outcome. Writing a book is an outcome. None of these things are actually goals because the actions that are the very tangible, actionable steps that would end up in the outcome, that would result in the outcome, those actions become secondary. We focus only on the outcome. I'm going to lose 25 pounds. And that doesn't take life into account. And that leads to burnout. And it leads to us feeling like a failure, which is a guaranteed formula to quit and thus guarantee that you don't achieve the outcome or the result that you're looking for. Because we don't pay as much attention to the actions, we only focus on the end, on the result. In addition, I want to repeat something I said in the intro, is that we change at the speed of safety. So what does that mean? So our subconscious mind sees change as a threat. How many of of us would say like, I'm not super comfortable with change? Like, hello, all of us, right? Who loves change? Not that many of us. And yet, what's a guarantee in life? Change. We don't like it for a very good reason. Because back in the caveman, cave gal days, our brains were always on alert for what's different because different might mean a predator, different might mean a famine, different might mean those berries are different. And, you know, cave gal Sally last week killed over because she ate some weird berries. Are those berries different? Maybe they're bad. So our brains don't like change. We come by it honestly. And when there's a whole lot of change all at once, our brains kind of freak out a little bit. And, you know, diets really set us up for this because, you know, what what is a diet in general? It's basically a whole lot of change all at once. I mean, ask yourself, how many times have you started out strong on a diet only to lose steam around week like three or four? because the novelty wears off, right? Your willpower begins to drain. And before long, you're back to your old ways. Because guess what, our old ways are familiar. And our brain likes what is familiar because that feels safe. So the subconscious mind is much more powerful than our conscious mind. It's like an elephant is more powerful than a rider a person riding the elephant. And so when we make a decision to lose weight or go on a diet with our conscious mind, that's the rider in this analogy, but our everyday actions are most often dictated by the elephant, by the powerful one, the subconscious mind. And because the subconscious evolved at a time when changing the environment could mean danger, and a diet is all about changing your behaviors, therefore your subconscious mind sees diets as a threat keeping things the same is safe. Our biology actively seeks to keep things normal, which means our normal slash old weight and our normal patterns. A diet goes against the grain of how we're wired. So how do we make changes in our actions and habits that don't get derailed by the subconscious mind? The key is to make change small enough so that it doesn't trigger the subconscious mind to freak out. Because number 1, small changes fly under the radar of your conscious mind's like changeometer and therefore they don't set off your self-sabotaging alarm bells. Number 2, small changes are easier to sustain and they help you change the way you see yourself over time. Your identity begins to shift when you ha- when you take on small changes. And finally, Small changes don't feel like deprivation. The destination always feels like the journey did. If you are making yourself miserable on the way down to the scale, you're going to be miserable trying to stay there. Small changes don't feel miserable. They feel doable. In fact, the Japanese have a specific word for this. It's called kaizen, which loosely translates to continuous improvement. Basically, in a nutshell, Kaizen means small changes done consistently over time accumulate and lead to huge shifts. Kaizen is the antidote to the diet mentality. Diets ask you to make big changes, but small things get in the way. Kaizen asks you to make small changes and big things result. Remember, we were talking about those outcomes, the result that you want? Kaizen helps you focus on the actions that will ultimately lead to the result you want. Now, real quick, why does this work? Why do small changes succeed when big changes fail? Because the amygdala, which is the part of the brain where the fight or flight response lives, gets triggered by a diet, and the amygdala sets off warning bells either to fight or to run from the changes that you're trying to make. So, like no wonder we fall off the wagon, right? Kaizen is stealthy. It's sort of like sneaking back in the house after curfew and kind of getting past your dad who was sleeping on the couch without waking him up. Small changes get around the amygdala because small, easy, achievable steps help you tiptoe past the fight or flight response. And over time, as those small steps continue, your brain gets used to them. Repetition creates new neural wiring and builds new habits. And gradually, your brain's natural resistance to change gets weaker, and it gets easier, which is the beauty of it. Now, I want to make a quick distinction here. This is not all or nothing. There's kind of different uh, zones of change. So if you think about it, there's the comfort zone, which (laughs) we're all very nicely familiar with. In the comfort zone, nothing changes, nothing happens. And then there's the other end of the spectrum, which is the burnout zone, which we do all these changes all at once, but then we fall off a cliff. And the end result is nothing changes, nothing happens. But then there's the one in the middle, the Goldilocks zone, which I came up with that and very proud of it. It's just the right amount of challenge and just the right amount of safety. And actually. Sciencey people call this the zone of proximal development, where you're a little bit outside of your comfort zone, but you're not so far outside of your comfort zone that it feels impossible to your brain. It feels like a challenge, but it feels doable. So if you want to sound all smarty pants at your next dinner party, you can say, I'm not on a diet. I'm in my zone of proximal development. Thank you very much. So back to my point. There is a great book by Bill Walsh called The Score Takes Care of Itself. And it's about the legendary football coach, Bill Walsh, who coached the uh, 49ers back in the 80s. And he was considered a legendary teacher because he focused on the process. He focused on everybody does their job. Everybody is in the right place. And if we all do that, the score will take care of itself. He focused on the actions. It's the same with another legendary coach, John Wooden. He was the coach of the UCLA basketball team in the 70s, I want to say, and won like a gazillion national championships. I think it was 10. Anyway, famous coach. He there's a a story about he would, um, in the beginning of practice every season, he would have a whole practice dedicated to teaching the players how to put their socks on the right way. And these are kids have been playing basketball for a long time. And they sat down and were like, here's how you put on your socks. Why? Because if you mess that up, and you get blisters, and you got blisters, and you can't play right, then you're not going to be scoring a basket. So Bill Walsh and John Wooden were legendary teachers who focused on the little action steps, the process. And they knew that if you get the actions right, if you can do those actions consistently, then the score, the result will take care of itself. So we've talked about how the traditional way of setting New Year's goals doesn't work and why it doesn't work and also why it's very tempting to do so. But how can we do it in a way that does work? How can we make goals smarter and not harder? And the answer is to set process goals and let the results take care of themselves. Real quick aside, I want to pause. And to, I'll be honest, the, I, when, I hear my, when I hear the words coming out of my mouth saying, set a process goal, I'm like, part of my brain is like, oh my God, no. Did I really just say that? I hate process goals. But let's take a second. Let's look at it from a different way. Do you hate the process of loving your children or your spouse? Do you hate the process of making dinner? Do you hate the process of reading a book? Chances are there's lots of things in your life where you really kind of dig the process. Chances are there's lots of things in your life where the process is the juice. The process is the good stuff. It's not about the result. So if you hear me say, let's set a process goal instead of a result goal, and you kind of cringe, I just encourage you to, to play with the idea. Be open to the idea that focusing on the process could be the good stuff, could be amazing, could be at least not awful, and it could be the key to your success. All right, so how do we do it? Let's get to it. Step one, what is the outcome you want? This is what we talked about before. I want to lose 25 pounds. I want to write a book. Whatever it is, what is the outcome, the result that you want? Get out a piece of paper, write it down. Next, brainstorm, what are the actions that will help you get there? So let's, let's take weight loss, for example, I want to lose 25 pounds. What are the actions that are going to help me get there? Well, I need to, you know, not overeat. Uh, I perhaps I need to clean up um, my dessert, you know, like eating after dinner and i could probably you know stand to improve the quality of my food perhaps maybe those are three things that make sense to you maybe it's different maybe it's more like i need to drink water uh, i need to get some sleep uh, or i know that if i start my day with a couple of minutes of just some deep breaths and like thinking about how's my day going to go that just makes everything so much easier and therefore i'm able to show up the way i want to in the evening whatever it is what are the actions that will help you get to your goal. Step, so that was step two. Step three is I want you to, now that you have this list of actions that will help you get your goal, I want you to narrow it down to three. You may be like, wait, just three? Yeah, just three. I want you to ask yourself, of the actions I've listed that will help me achieve the outcome I want, what are the actions that are gonna have a bigger impact? They're gonna move the needle a little bit more than others which ones are needle movers and which ones are, you know, just keeping me busy. All right, so narrow it down to the three needle movers, the three actions that are going to have more of an impact than others. Next, I want you to create tangible, actionable goals based on a spectrum to give yourself the best chance of success. So here's what I mean by based on a spectrum. When we set goals for ourselves, we often set it up with like perfection land in mind. Like I'm gonna walk 30 minutes a day on the treadmill, the end. And we don't give ourselves any room for like, wow, my day really went off the rails. I was not expecting uh, that phone call at two o'clock and then there was traffic and I got home late and I didn't know what was for dinner. And now it's 7.30 and I'm exhausted and I just do not feel like getting on the treadmill for 30 minutes. We give ourselves no room for life to be imperfect. And that's the funny thing about life. It frequently is imperfect, beautifully so, but let's plan for that. So using the goal of I wanna walk on the treadmill for 30 minutes every day, that's fine. Your spectrum is on the high end. Ideally, I'd like to walk 30 minutes on the treadmill every day, but also have a goal That's on the low end of like when the whole day just did not go to plan. I'll at least feel good about myself if I fill in the blank, if I put on my shoes and walk for two minutes, if I do some stretching, you know, whatever it is. And then, of course, anywhere in between is still a win. You want to give yourself the most opportunity to win, to feel like you're making progress because that feeling of progress is the fuel. It is the fuel that fires your engine of motivation. You cannot fuel your motivation with, I am such a screw up. I can't believe I'm messing this up again. Get your butt in gear. I always mess this up. That kind of fuel is toxic. And toxic fuel leads to a toxic destination, which generally basically ends up at the bottom of a bag of Doritos. You have to fuel your engine of motivation with the kind of fuel that's going to get you where you want to go. And that is progress. Getting fired up. So, create a goal, a tangible goal on a spectrum. Uh, Here's what I ideally like to do, and also on the low end, I will still be proud of myself if I still did X, Y, Z. And it's like a you know really easy. It's so easy that my brain can't say, "Oh, that's too hard. I'm too tired." Are you too tired to stretch? Are you too tired to stand on the treadmill for two minutes? Like, allow yourself as many opportunities to win. Okay. In addition. Here's a sort of a sneaky one that I really want you to think about too is keep track. Keeping track of how many times you show up is sort of like a secret weapon in your arsenal of goal setting. And maybe it's not so secret, like maybe you're really used to keeping a tracker and so forth. But the point of the tracker is that when your brain inevitably, I guarantee it, when your brain wants to say, this isn't working. This is a stupid idea. There's no way this is going to work. I mean, I hardly even showed up at all last week. Then you can use your tracker to be like, well, I showed up four out of seven days. That's more than 50%. I'm doing something. Then that gives your brain a fighting chance. Because as we have discussed in the past, brains are designed to look for problems. And that is what they will find unless you have proof that you've been keeping all along saying, look, It's not that bad. I did show up four days. I did my minimum goal two out of the four days. And then I even, you know, did 25 minutes on the treadmill once and 30 minutes the other day. So it's not like I'm doing nothing. Keep track. Now, a little nuance to keeping track. Everybody's different. So like you do you. But I personally have found it's so helpful to have a physical piece of paper taped to my wall or somewhere that I can see it physically. Because like if it's in my computer, if it's in my phone, if it can disappear from my field of vision, it can definitely disappear from my attention. And therefore, it's much easier for me to ignore it. Whereas if I have a piece of paper on my wall, just as I discussed in the beginning, with a bunch of empty squares, my brain's like, come on, we can do this. Let's let's, let's at least step on the treadmill for two minutes. Come on, you can do this. Because, you know, I'm like anybody else. I want to get the A. I want to get the check in the box. I want the star on the on the sticker chart. And so that I use that to my advantage by having a physical piece of paper where when I accomplish the goal that I want for the day, whether it is my stretch goal, you know, ideally I do X or it's my minimum goal. At least I'll feel proud of myself if I do Y. I get credit for showing up. And I want to encourage you to give yourself credit for showing up. That's my next point is grade yourself on a curve. No perfectionism here. Perfectionism is the killer of goals. It, it's like your goal is like a new little sprout, like a um, you know, a seed is just spreading that like kind of tender, griefy green leaf. And you gotta treat it tenderly and nurturing. You can't treat it with bullying and yelling. Perfectionism is kind of like bullying that new sprout of your of your goal that's trying, trying so hard to reach high to the sky, and perfectionism just shuts it down, just stomps on it. So, give yourself as much credit as possible. If you ever find yourself asking, I don't know, does three minutes of working on writing my book today count? The answer is yes. If you ever find yourself asking, I don't know, does standing on the treadmill for two minutes actually count? The answer is yes. Give yourself credit for anything. That's actually how I wrote my book. I was terrified of writing my book. I was like, who am I? Definitely, yeah. We've all heard that. Who am I to? I had those thoughts. Who am I to write a book? No one's ever going to want to listen to me. This is stupid. This is ridiculous. And because I was so freaked out and intimidated by the process, I was like, okay, we're going to make a super tiny goal. The goal is to show up for 15 minutes before getting to work every day, and I'm going to write for 15 minutes. Now, I did not say I'm going to write 200 words. I did not say I'm going to write amazing prose. I said, I'm going to write, which meant if I wrote two words and then deleted them and wrote one word, it counted. I Some days I showed up for 20, 30, 40 minutes and ended up kind of getting on a roll. Either way, I just needed the easy action of like, I can show up for 15 minutes and I know that I'm going to have to write crap before I can write something a little bit better. And so I allowed it to be very imperfect in order for it to begin to grow and I could nurture it like that tender new sprout. So do that with your goals. Let's walk through the whole process with a real example. So let's say, you know. so step number one was identify the outcome that you want. Let's say the outcome that you want is to lose 25 pounds. Next, what are the actions that will help you get there? You might say, well, I need to make a a plan, I need to plan my food and I need to not eat after dinner, and I want to improve the quality of my food. Let's say those are those the three things that you've narrowed it down to. We're just going to go through one. So that was step one was what's the outcome step two, or what are the actions? Step three, create a tangible, actionable goal on a spectrum. So let's take making a meal plan. So maybe I say, ideally, I would like to map out my entire meals for the day, three meals a day, plus any snacks that I'm having. Um, we're going to go with six days a week. I would like to to make a meal plan six days a week. And so that's my ideal scenario. However, I'm going to make a goal on a spectrum and allow myself days for life to go imperfectly. Maybe I sleep in, maybe I didn't sleep great the night before. And so I, you know, snooze my alarm a couple two times, I didn't have enough time to get up and make a plan. So I would at least be proud of myself, I could eat, at least feel like I'm winning. If I made a plan for lunch, and we're gonna go with three days a week. So ideally, I'm making a plan for the entire day, six days a week, but I'll at least feel like the week was a success if I planned my lunch three times during the week, because that feels doable to me. Then I'm going to keep track. So I'm gonna have a piece of paper. I'm gonna print it out and put it on my refrigerator and give myself a check mark. Did I make a plan for lunch today? Check. Did I make a plan for the other days? Check. All that does is it gives you an opportunity to see that you're winning, that you're making progress, you're having success. So big picture, the idea is focus on the actions that will help achieve the outcome that you want. Don't just say, I want an outcome, and then bully yourself to the finish line, because that doesn't work. So. Are you ready for your one tiny confident body action step to put into practice this week? Here we go. Pick just one actionable process goal that will help you move towards the outcome that you want. Just one for the rest of January. Just one. I want you to take it slow. Remember Kaizen? We're going to take it slow. Step two, I want you to set up a tracker to measure your progress. Any effort counts. I want you to have a goal for how, when life goes great, ideally, and then I want you to have a spectrum so that I'll still be happy with myself if life did not go to plan and I could at least get XYZ done. Focus only on that, which is within your control. And then step three, I want you to put an appointment in your calendar right now for January 31st. And I want you to make that appointment to reflect back on the progress you have made. And purposefully set time aside to feel good about yourself and the pro- progress you've made. Okay? So, if there is anything in this episode that has helped you, I would love it if you would share it with a friend or write a review on iTunes. That would be amazing. Your review certainly helps me and it helps others find the show, and it might help someone else feel a little less alone. And remember, love yourself because you are worthy of creating goals that set you up for success through loving effort rather than judgmental perfection. You are a work in progress. Allow your goals to be that too. You are just as worthy, just as deserving and capable of everything you want in your life as any other person on this earth. The purpose of the goal is not to hit the goal. The purpose of the goal is who you become in trying to achieve it because the growth is what lasts forever. Watch who you become and watch what becomes possible after that. All right, that's what I've got for you today. I will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. Seriously, I know it's not a small thing, and I genuinely appreciate it, and I hope it helped you. Make sure you head on over to confidentbody.coach slash tips and sign up for my seven top tips for little shifts that create big results so that you can start feeling confident in your body right now. I will see you next week. And until then, remember, you are a miracle.